I'm Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. Today I want to discuss how the vaccine is paving the way for the mark of the beast and how to demolish that road. I'm going to present biblical evidence from the book of Daniel and show you how the vaccine rollout aligns perfectly with a prophecy that was written over 2,500 years ago. But first, since the book of Daniel contains so many dreams and visions which are difficult to understand, let me explain two interpretive principles in dealing with this kind of metaphorical language. First, God speaks in tavniot, or pictures. That's his preferred style of communication, like dreams and visions, which are forms of Eastern communication. They mean one thing in the natural, but they contain multiple layers of meaning for those who search for it. We who live in a Western culture don't like this. We just want the bottom line. God, tell me straight out what you want me to do. This kind of response is rude and impertinent. You see, God is a rewarder of those who seek him. He leaves the responsibility of understanding or getting it to those who take the time to search out what he's saying. It's the search that pleases him. Jesus says this very thing in Mark 4 when he was asked why he spoke in parables. He said, take heed or pay attention to what you hear. For the measure that you give is the measure that you receive, and still more will be given to you. For to him who has will more be given, and from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This means that if you give a lot of attention to a dream or a vision or a parable, intently seeking his wisdom from it, he will give you more. But if you don't pay it any attention, even what little wisdom you think you have will be taken away and given to the one who does seek. The second principle is the constraint or limitations that a prophet has to use vocabulary of the day when trying to describe what he or she sees in a dream or vision that could represent thousands of years in the future. A perfect example is found in Revelation 9 when the Apostle John describes an apocalyptic vision. Writing about what will happen during the seven years of tribulation, he used phrases like this, The locusts were like horses arrayed for battle. They had scales like iron breastplates, and the noise of their wings was like many chariots with horses rushing into battle with tails that sting like scorpions. Now, in reality, John could have witnessed a scene from a sci-fi battle of missile-shooting helicopters, but he used the vocabulary he knew to describe a future event, and we must keep this in mind when dealing with metaphorical pictures in general and with this episode in particular. Let's look at the Daniel 11 prophecy that I introduced in Part 7 of the Days of Noah. First, we'll look at it in the natural and its historical fulfillment, both in the past and in the future during the Day of the Lord. 
And then we'll look at the same passage through a metaphorical lens that I believe relates to us right now. Here's Daniel eleven thirty and 31. For ships of Ketim shall come against him, referring to Antiochus Epiphanes, and in his rage he shall turn against the Jews, and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary, take away the daily sacrifice, and place the abomination that makes desolate. Now, before we break it apart, how was this prophecy fulfilled? Now, both Jewish and Christian scholars see Daniel's prophecy fulfilled in two different time periods. First was the historical fulfillment in 168 BCE. That's 400 years after Daniel wrote. When the Greco-Roman king Antiochus Epiphanes invaded Jerusalem, he desecrated and polluted the temple and then erected a statue on the altar with his face carved into the idol, pretending to be the god Zeus. Now, all this happened over 2,100 years ago. Now, the rabbis and other biblical scholars have long considered Antiochus to be a picture or tavnit of the false Messiah, who will make a covenant of peace with Israel at the very beginning of the day of the Lord. That covenant will lead to the rebuilding of the temple, and reestablish the daily sacrifices. Now, both the Old and New Testaments reveal that midway through this seven-year period, this false Messiah will break this covenant and turn on the Jews in a murderous rage, just like Antiochus did. The Antichrist will invade the temple, stop the daily sacrifices, and set up his image as a statue on the altar and demand everyone to worship it. Now, it is at this time when the actual mark of the beast will be instituted. We're not at this point yet because the day of the Lord has not begun. So this Daniel prophecy has already been fulfilled once. We are waiting on the second fulfillment, which happens at the beginning of the day of the Lord. Now, if you are a student of what is going on in Israel and the preparations being made now, you know that the time is close. There are several organizations, including one that I give to, the Temple Institute. It has almost everything prepared for the third temple to be built and furnished, the priests and Levites to be clothed and trained according to the Mosaic Law, and the sacrifices and the offerings reinstituted. Now, this puts us now in a waiting period where the Hellenistic forces known as the New World Order are orchestrating behind the scenes to prepare the world for the unveiling of the false Messiah that we read about in Daniel, in Second Thessalonians, and Revelation 13, among many other passages. Now, I refer to what's going on now with the vaccine frenzy as the biggest sting operation against humanity the world has ever seen. I want to show you how this final kingdom, the New World Order, has planned to get an unsuspecting world population under their control and prepare them to receive the false Messiah when he appears and take the mark of the beast. Let's briefly review the wording of the short Daniel 11 passage. Daniel saw an army 
coming against God's people, the Jews. The strategy of this Hellenistic king was to build up forces targeting the Jews, attack them with fierce hatred in order to pollute the temple, take away the daily sacrifice, and place the abomination of desolation on the altar. So let's break out these phrases and look at them metaphorically. Phrase number one, the ships of Katim. Now in Judaism, Katim is a code word for the Greco-Roman Empire which delivered Hellenism to the world. This is still going on now. This is the force behind the mandates of the New World Order, trying to make everybody unified, doing the same things, being politically correct, and controlled by a central governing force. The Hebrew word for ships is from the word tzava, which means to establish or set something up in place. So if you look at this phrase metaphorically, the ships of Katim could mean that something from the forces of Hellenism is being shipped or delivered to the people to make them conform to the rest of the world. And this something, whatever it is, is especially targeting Jews, and the motivation is one of hatred or anti-Semitism. Phrase number two, Daniel says, arms shall stand on his part, and those arms will pollute the temple. Now, in the literal, we think of the word arms as armed forces. But in Hebrew, the word for arms means the arm as stretched out. Now, can't you see a very literal interpretation picturing lines of people stretching out their arms to be vaccinated? Phrase number three. The words Daniel used for the pollution of the temple is the word halal, which means to bore a hole in something, to open up a wedge for the purpose of polluting the temple. Now, this is metaphorically what a syringe does. It bores a hole into the arm to deliver something designed to pollute the temple. Phrase number four. What does the word temple mean metaphorically? Could God have put the temple in Daniel's dream so that when he wrote the word temple, it would also have a secondary meaning for us living in today's times? The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6, For we are the temple of the living God. As God said in Isaiah 52, I will live in them and move among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So both the Testaments teach that our bodies are temples that God wants to dwell in. So let's recap. Something is being shipped by Hellenistic one-world forces using arms as stretched out, boring a hole through the skin to deliver something designed to pollute the temples or bodies of God's people. In my description notes to this episode, I include many links to articles and videos showing what many believe is actually inside the vaccine that could accomplish this objective. And you can find them on my podcast page at CandiceLong.com. What if, for instance, the army that Daniel wrote about had a secondary meaning? Could this so-called army also refer to a force that is invisible? molecular, and microscopic? Could these armed forces 
refer to billions of nanotech molecular structures traveling through holes bored by syringes and injected into the arms of everyone on the planet? Again, Daniel would have had no concept of such technology in his day, so he would use words that could be interpreted as I'm interpreting now. You need to know that the technology does exist to insert into people microscopic nanorobots made of graphene oxide. You will find descriptions of these substances in the links that I provide for you. See for yourself the videos and pictures of the contents of the vaccine vials under high-powered microscopes by reputable doctors and scientists who have sacrificed their professions to speak out. Now, I make no claim to be a microtechnology expert, but from my research, these graphene oxide particles are able to serve as communication processors so that the global elite, with help from the now-expanding 5G network, will be able to send messages to and thereby influence and control everyone who took the vaccine and subsequent boosters. I want you to consider this passage from Revelation 13.1. John wrote, I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads. Again, this is speaking of the time during the seven-year tribulation period in the day of the Lord, which has not come yet. But we know from Scripture that this beast, first prophesied by Daniel, comes from genetically mixed seed which is part human and part Nephilim, which is why Daniel describes this final kingdom as terrible and dreadful. This is as it was in the days of Noah. Now, speaking of the seven heads of this beast, you need to know that in June of 2021, the global entity known as G7 committed to distribute 1 billion COVID vaccine doses over the next 12 months to lower-income countries. Who are the seven heads of the G7? Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the UK, and the United States. These are the world's wealthiest liberal democracies, accounting for 60% of the global net wealth and represent 770 million people. The leaders are the key players of the New World Order, the final kingdom. I believe this is the reason the media, who is controlled by the world's elite, has been so intent to pressure us every day to take this vaccine. Bloomberg reported in December that it could cost some $50 billion to vaccinate the world. Now, you can choose to believe that these seven nations are willing to spend billions out of the goodness of their heart, but I see this as part of a larger scheme to put everyone in the world under their control and influence. They are paving the way to fulfill Revelation 13 when the fully formed beast finally rises out of the sea. And by that time, those who are completely and fully vaccine-compliant will be easily influenced to take the mark of the beast. That's why I'm doing everything that I can to help you get your arm out of this snare while there is still time. 
There's one final phrase to examine before we bring all these pieces together, and that has to do with the phrase in Daniel 11 about placing what's called the abomination that makes desolate on the altar of the temple, because this final action was what ignited the wrath of the Lord to bring about destruction. This phrase, the abomination that makes desolate, is mentioned in both Daniel 9 and 12 and by Jesus in Matthew 24. The word abomination refers to an actual idol or the likeness of a disgusting and detestable thing pretending to be God. And the word desolate means to lay waste or bring about destruction. So what we have in this Daniel 11 prophecy is an evil regime placing something inside the body which is such an abomination to God that he is forced to bring about destruction. Now, I cannot swear 100% that what I'm proposing is true, but I believe it to be consistent with the Word of God and with the work of the Nephilim, which I have written about for years. What I see for your consideration is that in addition to the microscopic communication system of graphene oxide, the enemy has somehow also inserted through genetic engineering a DNA strand of Satan's blood in the vaccine itself. Now, if this sounds preposterous, let me present four considerations that support this theory. First is that Jesus said the day of the Lord would be just like the days of Noah. That was when the blood in over 99% of the people on the planet was polluted and compromised genetically by Nephilim blood which contained the DNA imprint of Satan. This is what ignited God's wrath to bring about the flood. So we have to ask, what is it in our day that has entered the bloodstream of billions of people worldwide? That would be the vaccine. Secondly, I want to read you a portion from the episode called The Nephilim UFO Connection Part 2. This is the alien story, detailing the life of the gods who lived on earth thousands of years before our biblical record began. My source material comes from the late biblical scholar and Russian-born Jew Zechariah Sitchin, who became one of few scholars who was able to interpret the ancient clay tablets describing the civilizations of the fallen ones who came to earth. Now, his book, The Earth Chronicles, give us a detailed account of how the Nephilim lived and why they believe they have legal right to lordship over our world and its people. Their own records describe how they used genetic engineering to mix the blood of one of the gods with clay and bind their image or DNA imprint upon their version of man. Now, this binding of a DNA image is one of the oldest plays out of the Nephilim playbook. Number three, Scripture teaches that two versions of humans began multiplying on earth, those who were created in Satan's image through genetic engineering and the biblical lineage of Adam and Eve who were created by Almighty God. In Matthew 13, Jesus explains in the parable of the two seeds that these two races have lived side by side since the beginning. 
and we will grow up together with them until the harvest, which is the day of the Lord. The fourth consideration has to do with the timetable of when all this took place. I explained in the last episode the importance of Hanukkah because it is also called the dedication of the temple. That day is always the 25th of the Hebrew month of Kislev. This is the exact date when Antiochus polluted the temple and dedicated his statue to Zeus, the Greek name for Satan. Now let's fast forward now almost 2,500 years to the 25th of Kislev in the year 2020. This was the day when the FDA issued emergency use of the Pfizer vaccine. Is this a coincidence? I don't think so. You see, during the celebration of Hanukkah in 2020, commemorating the feast of the dedication of the temple, the first shot was given in the UK, the first shot was given in the United States, and the first shot was given in Israel. The temples of millions of people, many of whom love God, were invaded and polluted by a substance that most likely bears the genetic imprint of the enemy of God. So metaphorically, the global rollout had a simple mission, to deliver a communication system hidden microscopically inside a vial and injected as part of the scheme to transfer kingship inside of millions of devout lovers of God from Jehovah to the God of the New World Order. Now, if you took the vaccine and are troubled by what I'm sharing, please hear me. Let me assure you that all is not lost. God's heart is to show you the way of escape from an enemy snare that could happen to any of us and teach you the principles of how to biblically cleanse your temple. This is work that only you can do, just you and the Lord. But let me suggest four action steps. Number one, download the transcript of this episode. I've made it available for you in the description notes on my podcast page at CandiceLong.com. It has all of the references and links. Number two, ask God to show you the truth and whether what I'm sharing is credible. Number three, I encourage you to read the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. They were called to rebuild and dedicate the temple. But then they had to fall on their faces in repentance before God when they found out the people had intermingled their blood with unbelievers. They were entrapped in a snare too, but God showed them how to deal with it. And number four, especially focus on the last part of Nehemiah. He discovered that the high priest decided to make room for a man named Tobiah, who was of a forbidden bloodline and it was against the law for him to be in the temple at all. The highest religious authority in Israel gave permission for something despicable to come and make his home in the temple. Now what I want you to see is how Nehemiah handled it. He grabbed all of Tobiah's belongings and threw them and Tobiah out of the temple. Then he cleansed the chamber. He anointed it 
put everything back in that God instructed to be in that space, and he dedicated it to God. Now, if you belong to the Lord, you cannot have the image of two opposing deities inside of you. But you have the authority in Jesus' name to cast out anything that binds you to a false god. And you have the power of your words to break that covenant. Please write me and let me know if you have questions. I want to thank you for listening and assure you how much God cares for you. I hope you join me again next time for Lessons in the Latter Days. God bless.